Hi, this is Jordan. You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I specialize in the gaming industry and today I am your host. Welcome to another instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by Stefania Apostol, Simon Mayer, Mark Shaw and Anna Dinema to discuss how do you connect your brand to your consumers. Before we get into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some small introductions. Simon, do you want to kick us off? We can do that. Hi, Simon. Uh, I'm working at Deca Games as a producer, uh, being responsible for one game currently. There, um, I've been doing this or similar roles for the last like 10, 12 years, depending on how you want to slice it. And uh, yeah, all of that was in the gaming industry. So that's where I'm focused 100%. And yeah, that's what I'm doing. Sorry, I think I lost the signal somehow. I don't hear you guys anymore. Jordan, you're muted. Oh, Jordan, you're muted. That might be it. Yeah, sorry, I am. You're right. <laughs> no matter how many <laughs> podcasts you do, there's always mistakes. Uh, <laughs> Mark, do you want to give us your introduction? I do. And I thought that I read my name on your lips, but I wasn't sure. So I paused. But um, hi. Thank you so much for inviting me to join this. This is super fun. My name is Mark Shaw, as he said, and I work at Star Stable, which is the world's preeminent horse video game. And you can see that I've got some horses following me as I sit here in one of our meeting rooms at the office in Stockholm. Uh, I have been at this company for a little over a year, and this is actually my first job in the gaming industry. I have a background working at a, a really large um, American online marketplace called Etsy. And I also worked in music for a few years at a microphone company and then at a guitar store selling guitars even. So uh, my background's a little bit uh, varied in the sense of not just the gaming industry, uh, but I am very, very interested in learning more about what my fellow industry colleagues have to say. So thanks again for having me. Brilliant. Anna? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Anna Dima. I am a uh, design producer at Electronic Arts, working out of the Stockholm office in DICE. I've been at DICE for uh, four years now. I've been doing branding for about 13, 14 years in various industries, just like Mark. I've changed uh, countries, I've changed industries, I've changed companies, but ultimately, you know, gaming is one of the of the fun industries. It gives you a lot of flexibility. It gives you, you basically have fun. So I always like to to come back to, to gaming. Um, thank you so much for, for having me today. I'm looking forward to the, to the discussion. Brilliant. And uh, last but not least, Stefania. Hello, hello everyone. Uh, my name is Stefania, uh, and I currently work at Star Stable Entertainment as a product manager. Um, a bit about myself, uh, I'm myself, I'm an avid gamer. I've been playing video games since I was six years old when my older brother got me my first PC, which was super, super exciting. Um, and professionally speaking, I've been wearing different hats throughout my career and have navigated different industries. Um, my background and experience have mainly been focused on marketing uh, before transitioning to product management. But uh, I've worked with like uh, different um, aspects such as like uh, brand ambassadors, influencer partnerships, uh, social media and community management. And yeah, I've done some consulting myself. 
uh, super happy to be here. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you, everyone. So now that we've got a bit of a context to everyone, let's move on to the topic in focus. Uh, so you've all prepared a question on how do you connect your brand to your consumers? So we're going to go around the room asking everyone to pose the question and the reasons behind asking it. And everyone's going to have their opportunity to give their take on the situation. So let's start with Simon. Uh, let's see. My question uh, it is, how do you balance between your game brand and the company brand? I worded it for games because that's what I'm familiar with the most. Uh, my background was kind of boring compared to your guys, by the way. Pretty nice to see this varied one. I'm just like straightforward gaming. So that's why this is for brain, but, uh, gaming, but you could also say that for anything else. Like if you have one brand, like a specific sub-brand of your portfolio, how do you balance that brand's reputation, image, public image against the public image brand, whatever you have of your overall company, right? Because usually companies and brands should be in line and that's a nice situation to be in. Everything's working in concert and together and is like helping each other out. But quite often there's a dissonance between these two. And in gaming that happens quite often if a company has had a history of games that didn't quite work out or that had some issues in their public relations or whatever, right? And then a new game comes out and suddenly that game kind of has this, well, smell of the company on it. And the gamers are like, can I really trust that game to be better than what I expect from that company or something like that? And I've been in that situation quite a few times, right? Working in the free-to-play industry. I didn't mention that before, but all the companies I've been in were free-to-play companies. You get already a kind of a like uh, area of effect kind of thing, like free-to-play games overall sometimes on gamers perspective have a bit of a different uh reputation already than a boxed title so yeah what do you guys think is that something to discuss i can start uh since i've you know done branding for both uh companies and and products at the same time uh there's a big difference between the brand of a company and the brand of a product. You you might think that you can associate the two, and indeed you can. You know, a strong corporate identity helps you sell the products that you have a, a lot easier. But it's usually very custom for, for companies to have one corporate identity and then one identity for their products. And the reason is one corporation or one company can have various products in different markets and you can't necessarily associate the product that, you, that you're selling with the company values. To do uh, a branding uh, project for, for a corporation or for, a, for, a, for an organization, let's say like that, it's basically you're talking about the face of the company, what the story is, what the vision that company has, what the mission is, you know, uh, and and all the all the uh, beautiful wording that a company puts on their uh, website to know to for for the consumers to get to know them, you know, about the culture they have, the values they have, the relationships they have with. Um, consumers, with partners, with suppliers, with everything. So that is what, what the corporate brand is doing. It's basically the corporate brand is opening some doors for you. Uh, the product, uh, on, the other, on the other hand, has a, a narrower message. It doesn't communicate to, to uh, the, the wide range of, of people that the corporate branding is, is communicating to. It focuses on the features of the product. It focuses on what you know, the product is trying to achieve what target audience you want to have, what uh, you, you look at the you look at the competitors and you see how your uh, product differentiates itself from the competitors. Is it better? Is it not better? What can you learn from them? But 
it's different um, day and night from the from the company uh, branding. There are indeed some companies who like to lead with their brand, and that is especially uh, happening on the uh, fast-moving consumer goods or on. Uh, food industries where, you know, the same company has their logo on all their products, their packaging are more or less the same. The only thing that varies is uh, color and and in some sort, you know, flavors and something like that. But usually companies and big companies who have uh, various products tend to differentiate uh, dramatically between the, the corporate branding and the product branding. I hope that answered your question, Simon. A lot of input there. Yeah, sure. It does. I mean, Again, me being in the game industry is a bit sometimes harder. The whole situation changes a bit because especially working on publisher uh, companies, you sometimes don't have the choice, right, which games you're taking. And it's not that you develop everything yourself from the ground up and then release it as a product that the company made themselves or that the people in the company made together. But quite often you just get something handed over to you, right? Now you're the publisher for, say, Europe or you're the publisher for North America or whatever deal with that, right? And you have your own company backstory and uh, the game that you might be taking over has their own story too, right? So that makes like this nice separation sometimes quite hard, right? Because everything might just be totally at odds. And um, in situations like that, it's, it's, it's always interesting to think about how to deal with that, right? Like which, which strategic direction you want to go? Do you want to disassociate yourself from the company just like bring the brand, uh, take the brand of the company out of the product, so to speak, not really mention it too much, uh, just release it as is, so to speak, or do you want to heavily lean into your company identity? And that's a conscious decision in a way, in my mind anyway, right? If you, that makes sense or not. Yeah, totally. I think um, if I can jump in, I would say that it, it, I saw this question and I thought like, what does that mean? What do you mean separate the game from the brand? Because in the case of us, like our brand kind of is our game and our game kind of is our brand. And I don't I don't work in these departments, so I don't want to speak too much at length or say anything officially on behalf of the company. But of course, like we are looking at and thinking about, uh, you know, expanding into other other types of product that may or may not like super directly connect to the like star stable universe that exists. But um, mm -hmm. but yeah, so we pretty much lead with our brand, I would say, as it is right now. And I mean, look at, you know, like those of you who can see me, I mean, I'm sitting in this crazy like horse room, you know, yeah. uh, and yeah so and and that's and that's very much i think the experience of being a star stable player or customer is that you really are like strongly identifying with with our game with our company it's very like it's very niche and it's very tied to a certain type of like identity and love of a very particular thing aka horses and of course games too and it's not just one thing so I think we we really lean into that as a company uh, still, even if we're going to be, you know, expanding into other products at, at certain points in the future, it's still the case that Star Stable mm -hmm. is a really big flagship strong thing for us. So, so we really have, I think it's maybe, you know, we're not so terribly small, but we're certainly smaller than, than certain other companies. And, um, and I think we're just kind of in a, in a different spot on this question and it's not better or worse. I think it's just a different situation. Um, but, it, but it works really well for us because we've got a super passionate community and that's very fun and we can really lean into that and like play with that. So we have, it gives us a lot of different kinds of opportunities it's to a not It's a big, worry. big value to have as a company, right? It's it's really valuable to have that community that is identifying yeah. with what you're doing, right? Yeah, it's a huge, I mean, it's uh, calling it an asset like is an understatement because it's, and it's also more special than something like that. It's really like a beautiful thing, not to get too mm -hmm. poetic, but. 
uh, we're really grateful to have it. Yeah. I totally agree with what Mark said. And I think like the size of the company as well influences how you lead, whether it's with like uh, uh, the company brand or like the product brand. Uh, but um, for us uh, at, at Star Stable, uh, it does mean that we need to be consistent with the values that we're of course like promoting uh, and that we're showing that um, there aren't any specific like disconnects because we're showing that we care about specific things, but it's not then showcased in our product. So there's always like this need of revisiting what you what you believe. And of course, like what you show to the public that, you know, you're consistent about it. So yeah, all well, valid points. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. If we're done answering that one, then Stefania, we're gonna to come to you next. Yes. Uh, this is a question I've been thinking about for a while. Uh, I think it's important to the majority of us. Um, so my question is, what's your approach when it comes to brand transparency and how has that influenced your relationship with your customers? Um, the reason why I'm asking this question is that people want to have more and more authentic relationships with brands and companies and people just don't settle with receiving just ambiguous or just corporate cold communication just uh, disclosing like the struggles and the past mistakes is sometimes seen as a risky thing to do, absolutely. But customers do appreciate when uh, brands own up to for their mistakes. Um, people do want to see genuine, like humanized and like real communication uh, from, from companies. But of course that doesn't stop there uh, because it's not really enough to just have the messaging out and that's it. People do want to see a national boat plan and they do want to see like actual changes based on on the communication that you set out and i was super curious to hear your thoughts on this and like where is the limit where you it becomes tricky or um that you should go further with uh being transparent about the issues that you're dealing with maybe not meeting certain deadlines um and so on Super curious. And I think I can jump in there. Um, I, I didn't probably explain it, probably you guys don't know Deka, what we're doing. Uh, the, the rough idea that Deka has is that we're taking over older games that have been running for a number of years already, and we reinvigorate them. Basically, look at them very closely, make sure they have a nice community behind them, make sure the techno base is fine, all of that stuff. Then we take them over 100%, put new teams on them, and start working with that community from scratch, right? Like in this case, our brand is our bond, so to speak, right? Like if you come in as Deka and we take over a game and players are looking up what we have been doing before, right? Like dig up the skeletons in the closet, like mistakes we might have made on other games. That's a very bad start with that community, right? Right away, because they only know us as Deka. They don't have a history with us, right? When they come in for the first time. And in that regard, we have to be very transparent because especially in games, uh, you always have like a forum, you have Reddit, you have some other social media that keeps record of what you have been doing, right? It's impossible to bury stuff, so to speak, in the gaming industry with very active and passionate communities. So um, point one, we have to be transparent about what we've been doing in the past. But since we are not that new of a company, um, we don't have that much of a backlog, right? And we have been trying to go that route from the beginning. So I'm hoping <laughs> there's nothing still there that comes to haunt us later that we need to be transparent about going forward. But the general policy that we have is if you run into a problem, we try to be as open as we possibly can in explaining, hey, we have taken this over from scratch. Uh, we cannot know everything right away. We need your support too to make sure that we understand how that thing functions, what kind of history your game has, that kind of stuff, right? And at the same time, we need to show them progress, right? 
that if you made a mistake, for instance, uh, taking over a game and some system doesn't work right away, that they can see after a certain amount of time, we actually now know how to operate that thing properly, that we now know how that uh, thing should be sold properly, how that thing should operate. You know, I think that's the key, right? Being open about it, but also showing that you actually listen and that you go forward. Exactly, showing like actual proof that you've done and you've made some changes. Yeah, because exactly. words, words are cheap, right? Exactly. Of course we listen to our customers. Of course we want to have to see them happy, right? But yeah. I mean, the downside of not being transparent, we've we've all seen it in, in recent history, you know, the, the last couple of years, what lack of transparency has done to, to a company. We've seen it. I'm not going to name names of the companies, but we've seen it in the pharma industry where, you know, companies have hidden uh, the, the results to their uh, um trial testings and they 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 wanted to you know the public to make sure that they know they have uh good um, blood testing that their their samples are really uh, you know that their instruments are really accurate and that with just a drop of blood they can tell you the entire you know diseases that you're that you're you have and and stuff like that we've also seen it in the auto industry where you know, I, I come from a from a background where I where I worked with uh, with companies in, in the auto industry a lot. So the first and foremost uh, points that we were making was about the the safety of the cars. You know how safe they are, how environmental friendly they are, and stuff like that. And then again, in recent years, we've learned that a major car manufacturer has hidden their um, carbon dioxide testing and what that has done to their sales, to their companies and to their everything. So I do believe that consumers, especially nowadays when there's such a uh, such free access to information and where consumers can find out almost everything about you, not being transparent and trying to hide things from them, it's the, it's the biggest mistake that a company can make. You know, lead with with open honesty, show your data, show your values, show what you stand for and how, you know, what your goals are and how you're trying to achieve them. What are the steps that you're taking? How how you involve your community and how the, the community is helping you back? You know, be open about, okay, we've put some data out there. We heard back from the community. This is what we're doing to improve if there's something that we've done wrong. You know, also if, if you launch a product on the market and it turns out for any reason that it's faulty, go ahead and admit it. Hey, we made a mistake. We didn't test it enough. We didn't try it enough. We, we, we thought it was safe. This is what we're doing to mitigate that. These are the steps that we're doing to improve the product or just release it completely. And this is what we're planning on doing to replace it, you know, or how you're planning on repaying your customers that have bought the product from you and that, you know, you've, you've brought some disadvantage to. So all in all, uh, brand honesty and brand transparency is always the way to to get to your customers. It also helps customers, for example, if you made a mistake and you're open about it and you admit it and you present the steps that you're taking, you can get them back. You can say, hey, this is an honest company. They recognize they've made a mistake. They're mitigating the, the you know, they're taking all the steps to, to fix that. And it's a brand that I can associate myself with and that I can feel confident that you know, I can go back and purchase their services or their goods or whatever they're selling. So totally for brand transparency and, and being open with, with the customers. I really like that you mentioned that they will, people will find out and that is the truth. And when the truth comes out, uh, it usually yeah. has like a huge impact. And yeah, 100% what you said. <laughs> yeah, at that specific point, you lose complete control over the narrative too, right? 
it's it's it's, it's better to control it. it. So, exactly. I mean, it's just like getting ahead of it is easier and safer. <laughs> Crisis yeah, management. The first thing to to do is to admit you have a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I broadly agree with what everybody is saying too. And I, of course, of course, of course, of course, transparency is kind of like the north star that we should all be following for for so many reasons, many of which you've named. Um, I will like throw some, as an old college professor of mine used to say, I will kick up some dust and just cloud it a little bit though. Cause I think, I think a lot of transparency is really in the execution and that's, and that's where it gets interesting and actually challenging because I think it's like, it's, and I don't mean this as a criticism of us sitting here, but it's really easy to be like, yes, transparency. But when you're actually like in the trenches of dealing with like a, a crisis, it's like, you have incomplete information and you're like, you, you could go out with the thing, but you don't even know if it's true. And then that's a different problem later because you said the wrong thing or, and with good intention. And so I, I think like, I, I really, and Stefania knows this, and I think we work really hard on with this at Star Stable is like, how can we be transparent, but how can we also like deliver the message in the, the smartest possible way that first off, like does no harm, you know, cause sometimes that like unintentional misinformation causes harm uh and in like you know maybe not so much for like a horse video game but in the real for like certain other companies you could actually cause harm if you like get the wrong information about a dangerous product for example so um so it's so yeah like absolutely but i think it takes a lot of uh you know lived experience and just awareness of like how to communicate in those types of things and have like a checklist and have the right people at the table to give the best possible information but you know, in real time, be as transparent, be as open and, um, and do hope that you've built a good enough relationship with your community and your customers that there's like a mutual respect afforded. Because I think a few of us kind of mentioned that, that it really, it's really necessary to kind of get that respect back. Because if we don't get that respect back, we learn the lesson as brands like, whoa, 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 that transparency is a bad idea. Remember what happened last time? So it's all about, I think, everybody kind of participating and positively reinforcing in a virtuous cycle, both the companies, but honestly, like, I think a little bit of the responsibility is on, is on the customers to understand that brands aren't brands. Brands are actually a group of people doing their best. You know, I think that's, that's, you know, that's the risk in every industry uh, with every company. Uh, We look at the products and we forget that behind the products, there's a group of people and they are people. You know, people make mistakes and it's okay. We're not perfect, but it's the it's the thing that in the internet era right now and behind our keyboards, it's so easy to point the finger at, okay, look what they've done and to mm. create the chaos rather than saying, what if that was me there? You know, what if I would have been working at that company and this situation would have arise? How would I have uh, de- dealt with it? So it's very easy right now. That's why... Uh, I said it's it's a lot better to get in front of, of the situation rather than letting it get to you because the communities that are out there nowadays behind the keyboards tend to be uh, very vocal about yeah. Uh, things that they found out, uh, that they find out on their cell on their own. So yeah, I've, we have definitely lived that. So I <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, uh, in, in games, it's probably a bit more common to have these kind of problems. Hopefully, it's less often in, in, in more critical industries. <laughs> but in games, you have catastrophes quite often, right? Something breaks, something doesn't quite work out, a release goes wrong, uh, some infrastructure fails. But it will even be in your hands sometimes, right? Some of your, I don't know, server infrastructure is offline for some reason that you have no control over and everything's burning, right? And that's hopefully the point where you realize you have made some... Uh, connection with your community over time, that they have some trust extended towards you. So that when you tell them, hey, we're waiting for information, we're working on it, that they believe you with this vague information that is all that you have at that point in time, right? Because just like going ahead and saying, yeah, that would take half an hour and then everything is fine again, probably also <laughs> not a good idea. <laughs> just to appease people, I mean, right? It's never so, half yeah. an hour. Yeah, it's never. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I also wanted to mention, because like it varies between uh, communities as well and how that transparency is perceived, right? Because like, um, let's say you can take it from a different angle if your community is accepting and like listening to what you have to say, just put, putting a bit of like humor into it or just like, you know, showing up and saying that, you know, this is like a difficult situation where we are uh, showing up as being vulnerable and people do admire that, you know, humane part in the whole scheme, just showing up as a brand and saying, yes, we did it wrong but we're trying our best to do it better next time or yeah. just showing up and being present and showing that you care and you want to make changes. Yeah, definitely. Strongly agree. Brilliant. So let's change direction ever so slightly. It leads on from that a little bit, actually, with what Mark, you said. So we're going to go to Mark for your question. Sure. Um, yeah. So my question is about community, uh, which yeah, I agree does, does follow quite naturally from the last thing. And my question is, what is the role of community building for a brand and how does that help customers connect to each other? Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, we work, I work closely with community in this role and I've worked with community in, uh, I don't think I mentioned in my intro, I also worked at a co-working company for a few years. So we were like building communities in physical spaces, which is, and of course, digitally as well, like as a layer of that too. But um, also uh, when I worked at Etsy, that was a very, very passionate community and that's a, a handmade marketplace. And um, it was very, like, a, like the brand identification with that company was just off the charts. It's much less well-known in Sweden and, and some parts of Europe, but in the US, it's more and more of a household name. So um, I, I have this history with um, with communities. So it's something I always think of, uh, and I see um, a lot of a lot of opportunities for for brands to do things with it. But I also have this like nagging suspicion that you can't really like, make community. Like it kind of has to bubble up organically with from like a love of you know either the actual what the company is doing or trying to doing or what it's galvanizing around whether that's horses or you know for maybe a random example or uh or a handmade marketplace or other things so yeah so that's my question with my little preamble like what is the role of community building for a brand and how does that help customers connect to each other i can start with that uh i mean we've been talking about building up a brand we've been talking about corporate brands we've been talking about product brands and uh, i don't work with community i i work more with hey here's the package here's the font here's the colors and everything else that you need to to uh, launch a product but uh I do believe that uh, nowadays, especially, the community plays a key role in promoting your product, in, in getting it out there. You know, you can have the best 
product ever. You can do your homework, you can do the campaign, you can do the advertising pay, whatever you want. But if the consumers don't believe it and they don't start advocating for you, you won't sell it that well. You know, you can start your community uh, small. In the past, it was uh, your friends, your family, the people you knew at the grocery market. They would talk about it. You know, you could give samples and stuff like that, and people would start talking about your brand. But nowadays, communities are everywhere, and and they are your best brand ambassadors. They can help sell your products, or they can tank your products. You know, an unhappy community can kill a product in an instant. So. so they're also, you know, uh, by by uh, engaging with the community and telling them what your plans are and what you're doing, they can be, uh, they can help you innovate or uh, add features to your product that you might have not thought about it. You know, uh, they can come up with, hey, I have an issue. Uh, you, you know, uh, also a community, for example, uh, can help. Think about the, the beauty industry, you know, because they have huge communities. Uh, people can take advantage of, of uh, makeup tutorials, for example, how to use the products, how to take the best advantage of a product. In the gaming industry, we have the wiki communities, we have the, you know, the videos, the how-tos, how, how to get the best out of the game, how to play it, how to get to that level, how to farm whatever you want to farm in the game, you know. So a community can nowadays can make or break your product, whatever it is you're selling. It's an integral part of a corporate brand or a product brand. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really really well put for sure. I mean, as a as a company with your community, right? I mean, everybody obviously always wants to have a community around their product. I mean, as you're saying, it's it's make or break for the brand to have a good community that supports you, that is giving you the feedback that you need to improve, that is advocating for you, that's defending you maybe even if there's a crisis situation, right? That's super nice. And everybody's trying to get it. I'm not sure though if it's that easy still, right? Because in this current environment that we're in, everything is like prepackaged in small bite-sized pieces and um, getting people to really engage long-term with your product is, is, is the core struggle that you have, right? Not just getting the people in and then losing them five minutes later again to a different product because they also are trying to build a community in a similar space and are gobbling up the same people, right? That's the really crazy hard part. And um, I mean, in games, I'm always talking about games. I'm sorry, that's just what I know. But in games, it's usually it's about ambassadors that you have, right? Like the the super core guys that like that are doing videos about your game, that are guiding other people, that are leading guilds, that are um, the key guys, right? That are doing fan art about the game that have a different reach than the usual customer has, right? And usually that's what we do anyway. We are focusing on them, trying to give them better access to us, giving them better communication lines so that they can get heard and be multipliers for us. Because I think that's quite often, especially at the start, the key. Oh, hi, there's a cat. <laughs> Hello, cat. I told you there would be a cat. <laughs> yeah, got teased in the beginning. Uh, anyway, that's what I was trying to say, right? Getting those multipliers in and having a good relation with them goes a really, really long way in starting to build up your core community. Right, and going from there is probably the longer road than just trying to get everybody in right from the start, but the more sustainable one for sure. Um, yeah, totally valid points. I, I agree. Um, in my opinion, I see communities as the heartbeats of a brand. Uh, I always thought it that way. I know it does sound a bit cheesy, but uh, the community is pretty much the living proof that what you do as a company and as a brand actually brings value to other people. Uh, and people do want to connect and have things in common with others, like sharing all of these experiences with others makes for more 
like meaningful relationships and we're seeing that everywhere so not only in the gaming industry um i know that it's the case for like toxicity in communities um sometimes even more in the gaming industry but um behind all that i i think that people do strive to have things in common and things to share with others if, depending on like their you know their common goal but um they do want to be loud like people do want to be loud when things aren't going the way they want and and that like i said that is some sort of uh, feedback that companies need to hear because yes it sometimes happens that we don't deliver what people want uh but that is also a signal that you know changes might be needed uh certain shifts might be needed um and it does connect in a way to the whole uh subject of being transparent because like if you're being transparent to your community um uh, they will most likely you know listen to what you have to say um and yeah like i said they will let you know when things aren't going the way they want uh, they want um but that is totally fine because it's not like you just have everything in place and that's it you need to like make constant changes you know you need to be there to listen and of course you know make the changes that the community wants sometimes even though they they might be a bit unreasonable but that is fine because we need to be there to listen of course <laughs> yeah a bit is an understatement quite often they can be quite unreasonable but hey <laughs> meet them that halfway at least or maybe a third of the way or something like that <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> or even just acknowledge that you're that you're listening and taking it into some kind of consideration and not necessarily like you know it's not necessarily or isn't really at all probably in almost any company a direct democracy and that yeah. uh, as much as i i love democracy i think it's one of the most beautiful things that humanity has conceived of it still doesn't necessarily work when it comes to like designing a complex product like a game right so um so but there's somehow room for both to split the difference and the community mm -hmm. has so many amazing signals and i always think when when i've encountered frustrations and communities at whatever job I've had and they're inevitable that like that frustration is also like the flip side of like caring and that you know I I'm here because I want to be here and I want it to be better and I try to at least tell myself and especially on the days where it's a little harder than others it's like hey you know what like they're just telling me that they care and I would rather have the problems that come with that and the challenges that come with that than just like you know like being like, hey, everybody come to my community. And it's just like a <laughs> room and I'm sitting there with like a party hat on all by myself, slumped in a chair with nobody else there. So yeah, but anyway, just wanted to say like, I think that that's, uh, I think I really appreciate everybody's uh, insights around this. Thank you. I also think communities help put things into perspective. For example, when you're working, uh, you know, you put your heart and soul into a product, into a game, into whatever. And sometimes you lose sight of who you're doing it for because you, you get so invested. You know, you, you think, oh my God, I'm doing my best. I'm spending most of my time here. Maybe I'm taking time from other priorities, maybe family, maybe other commitments, you know? So I'm investing all this time into, into this product, into this thing that I'm putting out there. And all of a sudden, you know, your sales are not going the way they should. So you stop and, and say, but, but, but I've been doing all the right things. Why isn't this working? And the community's role is to give you feedback as to, hey, this is what, you know, your product is doing or is not doing. This is what we were expecting from it. And this is what we're getting. And no matter how much us as as uh, product makers are are putting into 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 the respective product. 
if we're not doing it for the consumers and for the community, yeah, we're not going to get there. So the perspective that they're they're helping us gain is is invaluable sometimes. As much as we don't like them and as much as, as they can become very vocal or very, you know, upfront about certain things. Yeah, it's like that, but it is like the classic, uh, I don't know, like saying, I, I, and I'm, I'm absolutely butchering it, but that like, every criticism is a gift, you know, and it, it's not, and I'm not saying I believe that every moment of every day, but, but I do try at least <laughs> in the aggregate to keep that perspective that it's like, again, the whole thing of like, but you care. And I really appreciate that. What helps me there is um, if somebody cares enough to actually put something like that online in any kind of uh, feedback form that there might be like an online community, a customer support ticket, what have you, right. They cared enough to do that, right. That, differentiates them from the massive minority uh, majority of all the players or customers that you have that are just frustrated with maybe the same thing but are saying nothing i might just like stop buying for instance or do something else right but the ones that actually take the effort to contact you about it to maybe be really vile and angry and whatnot right but they still cared enough to do that right and that's actually a nice thing from them to do well that means i'm not a good community member for example i i had um um fabric conditioner brand that i liked very much and uh well they stopped making that fragrance and instead of you know going on their website and saying hey guys why did you discontinue this i just stopped buying the product and went to the to the competition yeah Exactly. And that's why the guys that are actually speaking up are very important to you because they are speaking for yeah. a lot of other play people, most likely, right? Yeah, but I, might then, not. You, know, you need to double check that, obviously. I thought, <laughs> uh, what if, you know, not a lot of people were were fans of that uh, particular brand or uh, fragrance of the yeah. laundry conditioner? And I was the only one, but I didn't, honestly, I didn't go on their website where they say, uh, customer support to ask, hey, why did you discontinue that? Because it was a brand that I was using. I, I've been using it since I started doing my own laundry. <laughs> you know? And all of a sudden, I couldn't find it in stores anymore. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not good. Uh, I'm not a, a good member of a community. <laughs> <laughs> I think that leads us on nicely to your question then, Anna. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, my question is a little bit of uh, what not to do if you want your customers to uh, buy your products, if you want your customers to engage with you, if you want to retain your customers once you've put all your heart and soul into, into creating a product. What makes a customer want to stop buying your product or services? What do you think gets them to, to look around at, at your competition and decide that their product, service, whatever they're selling is better than what you're putting on the market. There's a bit of silence because there's so much that you can do wrong. <laughs> it's very hard to choose. <laughs> well, we like, talked about what how, how to do it yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about what are we doing wrong. Right. Because we're I mean, all doing something the baseline, something you already basically put it right there in front of me. That is, why would they look at the company uh, competition and go, they are better? Like, obviously, you need to have a good product, right? Like, it's always very healthy, I think, to look into the mirror and uh, tell yourself, okay, what am I doing good? What am I doing not so good compared to others, right? What does my competition look like? And the community does the same, obviously, right? Because the competition doesn't sleep and they also want to promote to the same people, right? If they are in the same field, obviously, they want the same guys that you want. So yeah. uh, it's very important to keep track of that and make sure that your community knows what you're actually doing good or not so good. So the whole transparency thing, we talked about that, obviously important to not have those skeletons in the closet that come to haunt you and make people just drop off because they're like, hey, no, those were the guys that poisoned the water in Namibia and a thousand people died. Obviously, you don't want to be that guy, right? Um, 
but yeah, uh, I mean, the, the key thing I think is that the community has some sort of trust. If you just are going in that direction, like community and brand, right? Like the perception that people of you have should be one that they like. And that's, I think, the entirety of it. Besides that, for the engagement, it's just about like like being low effort, like making it easy for the guys to interact with you, make it easy for them to, to send you the feedback and make it transparent with them that it was received, that there's some loop back to them where they see actually that uh, what they were telling you is something that actually took an action or made an action happen on your side and then you should be fine it's easy right it's easy yeah that's why so many <laughs> products go you know on the bottom shelf because it's easy yeah. i mean i when i think about it one of the main things well there, there's a few different ways to look at it and i've been like quite privileged i think as i've mentioned before that i've worked at places that People are already galvanizing around a certain thing associated with the brand, like horses or handmade marketplace, or and there's other examples of that too. But if you're entering a field that's actually more like competitive, where there's not like sort of an obvious brand to galvanize around, uh, they, then you then you have a different thing. And I think that's more what your question's getting towards. And it seems to me like one of the main things that brands or companies could and should be doing but often aren't is actually investing in the the whole customer experience overall and you know not just like you know how great is our like marketing message although that's also super important and how great is our product and obviously that's super important because you need to have a core yeah. thing that is good whatever we would define good as but like all those things around it and all those touch points that, you know, and understanding that they're all kind of part of the same thing for the customer. And we've all been in that situation where we need to get something solved with a company and it's like, you literally can't contact them. Or if you can contact them, it's like, you know, I, and I won't pick on them, but over the holidays, I had to reschedule my flight because COVID fun stuff uh, when I was coming home. And I literally had, a. Uh, uh, I called the airline and they're like, the estimated wait time is seven hours. And I was just like, you know, like, yeah. and fair enough, high volumes, crazy historical circumstances. I took a deep breath. It was fine. I figured it out. I called earlier the next day and it was only two hours and I could wait for that. Anyway, point being, it's, it's just so important though, for companies to anticipate like as much as they can things anticipate like customer concerns, be there, be open. Like, cause what's the point of being transparent if nobody can hear you, you know, or, and what's the point of I hear that. <laughs> a nice person if, you know, nobody is like on the other end of the line. So I think, I think it's really about investing in like the customer experience too, and understanding that word of mouth and how people are treated is what they really remember in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and that it, that isn't mutually exclusive from the other things I said, like marketing and brand work and product work either and, and all the other pieces, too. But that's something that I think gets really undervalued in a lot of places. I agree. I, I totally agree with Mark, uh, especially since there is so much noise and a lot of promises out there. People somehow have developed some sort of intuition, if you can call it like that. And they sometimes try to distance themselves from companies that they'll try to oversell or just like be there and like super pushy with ads and like because I do get sometimes frustrated when I just like turn on YouTube and then something pops up and I see it again and again and again and it's it's becoming way too much for me and I'm like I just don't want to deal with that kind of brand 
Um, and yeah, I also wanted to point out the, the topic that Mark mentioned about customer experience, because it doesn't like uh, limit itself to just like what your experience was when you bought the product or, you know, the whole, the whole cycle. It's just more than that. It's just like uh, making uh, interactions and just experiences altogether authentic so that they're not just, you know, fake things happening. It's just, uh, it needs to be real. And people are looking for that kind of experience. Uh, they're looking for the emotional part, uh, the part where they see brands being invested and being there for them. Um, so yeah, for me, customer experience is up there and I'm always like uh, looking at how brands are tackling that because uh, we see it differently, whether it's like in the fashion industry uh, and then when you go to like the gaming industry, whether you're just like dealing with a bug, you know, or just sending in a ticket, how does the customer support, for instance, respond to you? Do you feel that is authentic or is it just like a robotic type of response and so on? <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you guys. All great answers. Great question. <laughs> yeah, it's a very tough one because, again, as the other guys mentioned, it's just going in all directions if you want, right? Like, there's so many areas that you can improve your outward, outward appearance, your actual product, the way that it's being presented to the user, the way that you get the new users in, the way that you treat them over the life cycle. So much in there. Yeah. Pretty cool question. I mean, the question came to me when, unrelated to to the experience I had with the with the fabric conditioner, I went on vacation last summer, and uh, when selecting uh, where I would stay, I chose a premium hotel, you know, very very highly rated and everything. So I chose it based on uh, the marketing that they had, based on the uh, customer ratings that they had on on different travel sites and everything so I paid as I said a premium fee and because my daughter is nine uh, they made us take uh, two rooms they couldn't give us a room that would fit three people so they made us pay for two rooms for two nights so we paid quite a lot and the first uh, the first morning that we were there uh, we started eating breakfast and they served moldy bread they Yay. served moldy bread no. and when we went to the reception and, and complained about it they didn't even acknowledge it they said oh yeah we're gonna change it and they continued breakfast as there was nothing so of course you know my experience with that particular brand and you know is is making me never to choose that hotel chain ever again so no matter how good uh, the service might you might think you have no matter how good your marketing campaign might be no matter how uh, you know aggressive your advertising campaigns uh, could be as you said mark and everybody else your customers experience is is invaluable to 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 the success of your product or your service or your business yeah that's how the question of course came you're the me. business of selling moldy bread then you like that kind of experience very much blue cheese <laughs> right <laughs> Well, but thank yeah, you. I mean, thank uh, you, a faulty part there really can break stuff, right? Like one Definitely. really, really bad experience. Yeah. Well, it ruined my vacation. Thank you very much. <laughs> Brilliant. And uh, we'll leave it there then. So this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I want to take uh, this opportunity to thank Anna, Simon, Mark and Stefania for providing their insights into the topic. And thanks everyone for listening. Uh, if you would like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts, reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at jordan.lound at evolution-nordics.com. And we will see you all next time.